Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. A Pocket of Rocks. That's the title of our message today, preached by Reverend Joshua B. Carson during our Pastor's Day Chapel. Of course, Pastor's Day is where we invite current students, pastors on campus to honor the special role that they play in our students' lives. And you are going to enjoy this message. You're going to enjoy this message so much that we're not even going to bother to tell you about the admission cycle currently happening for on-campus students or the fact that if you want to enroll in the online learning program, you can do it anytime. You can do both of those things at indianabiblecollege.org forward slash apply or ibcdl.com, depending on which program you want. But that's not the point. The point is you're really going to enjoy this message, A Pocket of Rocks. magnify the name of the Lord Jesus only if you believe he's worthy if you believe he's worthy I want you to clap your hands thunderously before the Lord come on we magnify the name of Jesus nobody like you Lord praise God praise God amen thank you for being here I just want to echo what Brother Galleon has just spoken to the pastors that have taken time to be here. I know that you have a very busy schedule, so thank you. It means it means a lot to your students. It means a lot to us, to our faculty. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, many students are here today, and you say, my pastor couldn't make it, whether it be time, distance, whatever that is. I want you to know some of our staff is just going to become the adoptive pastors today, and some of these other pastors that are out here, they're going to lay hands on you as well and pray over you. On behalf of your pastor today, we thank God for the men and women of God that are in our lives. It's not just pastors, but we have pastors' wives that are with us as well, spouses that are here. We honor you. We bless your family in the name of the Lord, and we say thank you for trusting us with your students. I have so many friends here, so many looking around this room. I could get in trouble very quickly, so I'll do the same and not begin to name names, but so many of my peers and friends over the years that have been a great support and strength to me. I love and I honor you and thank you. It's a joy to serve together in the kingdom and see our our students being trained for such a time as this. Lord, I'm going to have a lot of friends there today. Will you give me some really, really just powerful obscure I want something brother brown I want something just just dripping with revelation just the likes of which have never been heard take me to one of those books we don't talk about one of those prophets that doesn't get much airtime and so the lord took me to a very unfamiliar story I turn your attention to 1 Samuel. 
Have you heard of it? Have you heard of First Samuel? Okay. Must be more public than I know. First Samuel 17. You're going to really like this story. Those of you that have never heard this, you're going to like this story. It's Verse 40, reading about a very unfamiliar man by the name of David. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him, and when, when the Philistine that old giant Goliath looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. He was just a youth, ruddy, fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves or with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the Lord of armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and I'm going to pull your head off your carcass. Oh, I got a little carried away. Verse 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he he will give you into watch this our hands David said this isn't about me this is not about my credibility this is about the Lord and his army I want to preach for a little while today about a pocket of rocks. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and ask God just to help us. I do feel a word for this service. Would you lift your voice? Come on. Come on, just lift your voice to the Lord and ask Him to speak here. God, I pray you'd anoint every pastor, anoint every student. Let the will of God be accomplished in this place. 
Ah, uh, yeah, I pray strength, clarity, and continuity. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, for this particular session, let it be done. For our time together in this house and what we're meant to carry with us, in the name of the Lord, we pray it. Amen, amen. Why don't you turn to someone near you and just say that statement, a pocket of rocks. <laughs> what a terrible title. You may be seated. Although it should not be, it is one of my favorite memories. To the pastors that are in the house, I will tell you, it should not be a memory that I enjoy the way I do, but I do enjoy it. I was standing at the Ohio District Campground. Mm, I feel a Buckeye witness in the house. I was there just outside of that sacred old sanctuary and I was standing with a pastor who was also serving as a district official. We were standing around the corner when we began to hear this sound. But the galleon, it was a, it was a very obvious metallic sound. Every few seconds, we would hear it. It so grabbed our attention that we decided that we should take our conversation around the corner of the sanctuary to see what it was. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I tell you again a third time, I should not enjoy this memory the way I do, but I do enjoy it. When we walked around the corner, there in the gravel parking lot was a young boy who continued to reach into his pocket and pull out one rock after another and throw them at the side of the brand new vehicle of the man I was talking with. <laughs> I remember thinking someone should call the cops. A kid is soon to die. I had looked up to this individual for quite some time, and, and so I looked at him, and I looked at the boy, and I looked at him, and I looked at the boy, and all these thoughts were running through my mind, and I think the elder gentleman knew that he had impression upon me as a younger minister and certainly this was not his child but it was the child of someone else and so I watched him with all tempered rage when he said young man what are you doing you know how your voice gets a little higher than you want it to when you, what are you doing never forget the absolute blank stare of the young boy. Throwing rocks. <laughs> You're not throwing rocks. You're pelting my car. I remember him saying these words. 
put the rocks down. I shouldn't enjoy it, but it wasn't my car. (laughs) The beauty of this story, for most of us, you don't have to be a nature person to have some story with a rock, at least most of you. How many have ever skipped a rock on a pond or in the water, or I should say at least tried? Raise your hand if you have. Yeah, 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 look at all of you. How many of you remember trying to skip a rock for the first time and, and, and it was miserable, it was terrible? Some of, you, some of you love to go fishing with somebody and when they're fishing, you throw rocks in. You know who you are. The Lord has a special place for you. Rocks. Most can relate with this story at the thought of a rock holding one of those rocks in your hand. It's not hard when the narrative is well written, when the imagery is easily identifiable. It is something where we can read the story and we can put ourselves in that position. And while we might not want our sandaled feet in the dew mist of the meadow on that particular day with a giant in front of us, most of us are fine to associate with our hands wrapped around a rock. And it wouldn't be far-fetched for most of you to consider a time when you waded into a stream and you gathered a rock. Rocks were, rocks are, rocks will be important. Now, different people are into different rocks at different levels. Okay? Some of you, one of the greatest things you could ever do is go dig in rocks. I've got a buddy who archaeology is absolutely his thing. The thought of going and spending his entire vacation digging in rocks is what really excites him. Me, not so much. Bring me home a souvenir. You could go to the Smithsonian. You could look at some 350,000 different minerals, some 10,000 plus gems that are on display. My wife and I got the opportunity to be in Paris a couple times. We went to the Louvre, if I'm saying it right, when we were there. Some of you will correct me. Keep it to yourself. While we were there, we went and looked in one particular wing where there's nothing but diamonds and gems and emeralds behind glass. Highly guarded. How many of you have ever been to one of the famous places here, maybe even in North America, where a rock was supposed to wow you? Sorry for you New England folks, but I've seen Plymouth Rock. Let down. I was in my mind Brother Rodenbush, I was picturing this extravagant, more like the rock of Gibraltar, right? Where the, where the, 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 the crashing of the waves. And I, I was so excited. Here we were. And I was with Pastor Sternum in there. And we were going. And, and I knew I needed to start to bring my thought process down a little bit when he started saying, now, don't get your hopes too high on this. And I thought, but my hopes too high. Plymouth Rock. How can you get your hopes too high? On Plymouth Rock, until we walked up to Plymouth Stone. Which was feeble enough that it cracked in two when they tried to move it. 
And now it has a little black cage around it. Not so powerful after all. My little boy, my youngest of four children, pray for me. He, he likes to collect rocks. I'll find rocks every now and then. Some of you dads that are in here or moms that are in here, you'll find. My wife could tell you that you know when you begin to wash or dry a pair of jeans that have rocks in them. He likes to put rocks into his pocket, likes to collect them. Well, he's got a... Uh, He's got a good Old Testament example of somebody who would throw rocks in their pocket or in their shepherd's bag, and it's this guy we call David. David waded into the stream that day, and he picked up five smooth stones. Now, I want by the showing of hands, anybody who has ever heard preaching on the five smooth stones that David picked up. Of all of our pastors that are in here today, how many of you have preached about David and his five smooth stones? Help me out, pastors. Let me know, Brother Gaddy. Thank God. Text him for his notes. He would not give them to me. So, <laughs> He wades in and he grabs five smooth stones and Pastor Gaddy, I must admit, somewhere along the way, these stones became the most stretchy stones that were ever broken off of a greater piece because I have heard all types of reasoning for why there were four more. The most common sense one seems to be to me, he probably had more in case he missed. Oh, no, it was for his four brothers that, come on. You know that usually when you try to sound smart, you don't. <laughs> Amen. But in the mind of David, it was not even about the stones. He had become proficient with stones in private time. He had learned how to adequately swing that sling. I got a feeling he could knock out the E on the exit sign from here. He could knock the, the fire. Well, I don't want to say anything that you might try to do. He, I bet he could bust out the top light on that chandelier if he wanted to. I, I, I bet Brother Kilman, if he took aim, he could. He learned how to do that when nobody was watching. When he was singing and honoring, when he was fighting off bears and lions, and he was in preparation. I, I, I don't think it came at first. I don't even think it was what you could call a natural gifting. I think it was acquired over time. I think it was groomed, processed, and then it was activated. So when it came time to fight that giant that we all so well know named Goliath, he could not wear the armor of Saul, for he had not proved it. He could not wear it. It did not fit him but what did he know? 
He knew what it was to carry a staff, and he knew what it was to sling a stone. And so he went to what he had been trained to do. And he wades into the stream. It is critically relevant that we do identify the intentional portion of the text when it says that he goes to the stream to grab the stones. For in the stones he gathers, or in the stream he gathers what type of stones? Say it again. Smooth stones. Some of us are not as smooth as we think we are. But he knew where the smooth stone could be found. It would be found in the flow. At one time, the stones that he was wrapping his hand around were larger than they were at this point. But he had learned in the process of time and over trial and error and sling and release and bottles on the fence post and squirrels in the tree and bears and he had found these stones fly better than these. And so when he dipped his hand, Pastor Brown, into the stream, he was looking for one that had been in the flow long enough that it could compare to the level of training that he himself, an adequate, not in just any hand, but in the hand of a trained marksman, he could begin to do what he knew he had, had literally in the private time of his life been working on. It was in the flow that he found it. If you would allow me the liberty, I would liken what is happening at IBC to the stream. It is the will of God that there be one God, apostolic Bible colleges, where we can take those who have some sense of rigid exterior. Most students do not show up here smooth. In fact, some of them, some of the ones who think they are need the most polish. But we find that in our time here, we walk into classes where we're taught about holiness and the flow begins to touch us. We walk into chapels where a student gets up and begins to preach about the power of the name Jesus and that peer, the flow of the anointing begins to work on us and begins to take those places. We hear testimonies. We hear testimonies about young ladies whose parents were backslidden for years and years and years and you might not want anybody to know but some of you sit in this room and it's your parents who are backslidden and so while there was still that rough place on the edge of your life when you heard that testimony today it was like the flow of the anointing and the remembrance and a little bit I know I have to, or at least I should, but I believe in Bible colleges where young men and young women say, I choose to get in the flow of what God is wanting to shape me. I need to make sure that I am prepared. I know at times it will be overwhelming. I know, Pastor Barley, at times the water will seem too much, but it's not about me staying what I've been, but it's about me being I must be developed into what the shepherd can use. 
be seated. I, I'm not sure why my mind works this way, but I've always felt a little bad for those other, those four stones. They got no playing time. I've always, I've always kind of thought to myself, Pastor Ballester, I thought, they got picked up and not used. You got one stone who gets the mic. I picked up five and I get one shot and it, it's the stone everybody talks about. I know it's ridiculous, but let's just make ourselves from the point of view of those other stones. Reaches into his pocket. Feels around. They're rumbling against each other. And he just grabs out one. One stone. One stone. One stone gets to be the public hero. One stone gets to be the giant killer. One stone gets to be slung out in front of everybody. And every Philistine is going to run when that giant falls. Every Philistine is going to retreat. They're going to chase them. In fact, God's people are going to feel such a sense of testimony that they themselves are going to join back and do what they've been called and meant to do. And they're going to chase. Because one stone. But I've got news for you. I want pastors to hear me, but I want students to hear me very clearly. Most stones go home. The reason that he knew how to kill a giant in public was because he had fought a number of trials in private. And thank God for the public stones. And some of you, you will go to churches and you will go pastor large works and you will go and you will be missionaries and some of you will preach our general conferences and our youth choir. You, you'll go and you'll do it and, and you'll be the giant killers that everybody sees. But most of you, you have the highest calling of all. You get to go home and you get to help win private battles. You get to be the stones that no one sees on Instagram. You get to be the stones that nobody talks about with the large youth. It's never been about the stone. It's always been about the work of God. He didn't say, I come to you. Goliath called it a stick. He didn't mention the staff. Goliath was looking at him as a youth. He didn't say anything about his age. It was not about the stick. It was not about the stones. It was not about his youth. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I've got to tell somebody what the Lord woke me up talking to me this morning is to tell you if you are privileged to be a stone that goes home with the shepherd, there is no higher calling because it was Goliath today, but it'll be a bear tomorrow. It'll be a lion next week. It'll be a naysayer next month. It'll be a It'll be a hypocrite two weeks from now and he's going to need stones. He's going to need young men. They're going to need young women that are tried and proven and trained in the 
leadership. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven all over this place. I want you to, in fact, stand with me and lift your hands and lift your voices and pray that God would really baptize you with a love to do whatever God calls you to do. Come on, do you want a name or do you want the name of Jesus to be magnified? Do you want a ministry or do you want his ministry to be fulfilled? David did not want pasture prominence. He wasn't looking for public praise. He was looking for the people of God to be honored. Stand with me. I want to keep preaching, but I can't. I speak right now in the Holy Ghost. There's young men and young women all over this room. You better hear me right now. You know that God has called you to go home. And you're worried about the intimidation. You know your only reason here for training is to go home. Don't you fall prey. Don't you fall prey to the idea or the ideology that if you go home, it is lesser. That is a lie. That is not what we're about. Come on, your city needs revival. I know there's giants in the pasture, but there are giants in your city. There are giants in your field. There's young people in this room, you know, you know, you know you're called to go home. You've even tried to deny it. You know you're called to go home and serve your pastor. If at least for a season, you know that's what you're called to do. If that's you, I want you to come to the front and stand. I know it's a challenge because you got to do it in front of your peers. You got to stay in the pocket with the other stones. Come on, press all the way to the front. Come up. I got a lot I want to preach, but I got to stop. I feel arrested right now in the spirit. I want you, young people in the front of this building, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, you're here, so get in the flow. They released you to come to this stream. You're in a stream called IBC, so get in the flow. Get in the flow. While you're here, you let your classes be effective. You let your, you let your professors teach and, and let them work off those rough edges. But he's sending you home so that when the timing is right, the under-shepherd can put their hand on you and use you for the kingdom of God in your city.
I need some of you young people in the front of this building. I need you to lift your hands right now, and I need you to begin to pray against ego. I need you to begin to pray against intimidation. I need you to begin to pray against measuring up and comparing yourself with the stone that's in Goliath's forehead. It doesn't matter if they're a better preacher. It doesn't matter if they're a better singer. God cannot duplicate you. He needs you to be you. Somebody, come on, some young person that would throw their hands towards heaven and say, God, I'm going home as a smooth stone when I'm done with my education. That's right. Pray confidence. Come on, we're going to pause here for a minute. Just pray, pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise God. Okay, all you stones, all you rocks in the front, I want you to turn and look out. Just turn around. Don't leave. Just turn. Look at the one standing out there. Here's a real tough question. How many of you students that are out there, you know God's already called you somewhere other than home? You know he's called you. If you haven't talked to your pastor about it and they're here, you might want to keep your hand down. But some of you know your pastors know he called you to a mission field before you got here. (laughs) Some of you know he's already called you. How many of you know, you already know you're called to a different field. You're not, you don't even have it figured out completely. Look at these hands. Go ahead, lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Pastors, the fact that you even let them be here shows a level of trust that I cannot articulate well enough to say thank you. The fact that right now for a season of months and even years you reach into your pocket and they're not close enough. And for some of them in here, it breaks my heart even saying it out loud. Because as pastors we almost feel like parents at times. I don't know how. I don't have... I don't know how God does it exactly, Brother Brown. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I understand it. I, but the immense love that God gives a pastor for people. And then to know that God is calling them into a, a different pasture. And I don't believe in releasing. I believe in sending. And there's a difference because I can, Sister Mast, I can release this rock and no giants fall. But if I send, 
if as hard as it is for me, if I know it's a perfect one because I picked it out myself and I thought, but if I send it, because whether it's a giant in another pasture or a giant at home, please hear me. The rocks are not in competition with each other. There is no lesser ministry when it's his ministry. There is no lesser. There is no lesser. Think about him. Think about him when God, God of all creation, Manifests himself in the flesh. He comes and he starts choosing disciples. I love it. Like David reaching his hand into a stream. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew. Hey, come come on. I just follow after me. When he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, also in the ship. He's called and I just... Follow after me. They weren't ready, but they had great potential. They had great potential that he knew if I can get them a little closer to the flow. Were there any of them that were rougher than Peter? (laughs) The guy who means stone? Were there any of them rougher than that loudmouth ear cutter? That in front of all of them and seemingly out of time, he's going to say, Thou art the Christ. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. But he was close enough to the shepherd that within a handful of verses, he gets called Satan. Because valuable stones take correction, because it's part of the process. It's part of the process. Oh Pete, oh Pete, he's gonna get he's gonna get to be put in a sling and preach Pentecost. Woo! Matthew is gonna be a latecomer because Judas was a bum. Not be anything more than a local missionary. <laughs> really? Not be anything more. If you're doing the will of God. Let me tell you what you want to be. You want to be a a rock in the pocket of a shepherd. You want to be a rock that's worth using. Everybody in this room, if we're honest, every student in here, how many students would be honest with me and say, I still got some rough spots. I just... Some of you are here and you have still not gotten clarity for what God wants to do in your life. I'm asking every person to feel that so strong right now. Every person in this room, if you admit you got rough spots, I want you to lift your hands right now. They're going to begin to play and sing. And I want you to ask God to smooth, smooth, 
Some of you, God's going to give clarity right now in this altar of what you're supposed to do. I might not be perfect, but I want to be one of those rocks that's in the pocket of the shepherd. I want to be somebody my pastor can count on. I want to be a young adult that my pastor believes in. Pastor Knox, I got to be a... I know it might feel dark in that pocket. Might not be much limelight in that pocket. But you didn't get in this for the prominence. You didn't tell God yes for a platform. When you told God yes, you signed up to become a rock in the pocket of a shepherd.